Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week, we bring you Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, and Blade, the first movie. You couldn't get much different for vampire movies from the 90s. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Did you guys watch the second Mandalorian trailer? Sure did. Oh, yeah. I opted out of it. Just like... It's coming soon enough. I don't need the. Uh... I was getting ready to say, is that because you're just already sold on the series, so it doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> so you're getting Quite Disney Plus. I will say yeah. this tra- trailer too. They doubled down on the Herzog. That's good. Yeah, some of the footage is the same, but some others are show some more action and stuff. It's it's looking it's looking pretty awesome. Yeah, I think we saw. I think I saw a force pike in there, but I'm not entirely sure. I've already seen uh, people putting up the uh, uh, still images of it, and they're comparing it to the Star Wars special uh, holiday special, showing that the basically they've they've cribbed some images from that. I'm like, really? <laughs> I just, you know, what I get the feeling of though. I think the Werner Herzog character is going to die in the first episode. I think <laughs> I think they're slathering that on so thick, and I think they paid him to come in and shoot one episode and then killed him. Sort of like Max von Sydow and uh, whichever one he was just in. Right. For- Force Wagons? Yeah. Or uh, what's, what's his face in Game of Thrones? Sean Bean. We talked about this last week. Listen, I'm never going to remember Sean Bean's name. He has a what, stupid name. What, why learn his name? He's just going to die anyway. Right, exactly. I don't want to get attached. Uh, All right, how was everybody's lovely week? This quick turnaround episode. Yeah, it wasn't technically a week, so your question's invalid. Fair enough. I don't feel obligated to answer it because you didn't ask it in an appropriate manner, so that's my response. Well, I've been on vacation all week so far this week. Oh, that's pretty good. It's been great. I've done absolutely nothing. That's the best thing to do. Yeah, woke up late, been watching movies, playing video games, and that is pretty much it. Your your wife has to go to work and you get to be home? Well, she's actually... Uh, they've made her job so she can work from home. So she's uh-huh. been working from home these last three days. Her last two That's days. Rough. And will be tomorrow as well. And then she has Thursday and Friday off. Was uh was one of those movies you watched Robocop? 
It was not. I, I highly recommend just uh, <laughs> fuck, fucking off everything else you're doing and watching some Robocop. I mean, that's always good advice, but... I think I watched part of Robocop like a couple months ago. Yeah. It's one of those, I'm flipping around like, oh, Robocop's on. And then you always got to check. Is it is it the good RoboCop or the remake? Mm. And luckily, it was the good RoboCop, and it was on like HBO or some premium channel, so they didn't edit the shit out of it. There's a good RoboCop, and then a mass sequel, and then a bad sequel, and then that fucking remake. <laughs> well, don't forget all the TV <laughs> movies they made in the series, oh. and that time and he showed TV, up at WCW. Yeah. You're forgetting the animated series, too. There was a RoboCop animated series at one point. Yeah, but it was an eight. Listen, I'll forgive any 80s cartoon. Yeah, what was up with the 80s? Like, let's just make random cartoons out of shit that's definitely not for children. And and also, there was not a RoboCop cartoon. There were two RoboCop cartoons. Oh, good lord. Uh-oh. Okay. I used to watch the Rambo cartoon. Yeah, let's make a cartoon of a guy who has PTSD from Vietnam and he kills a bunch of people. Let's put that in cartoon form. I don't don't think they made it into a cartoon form until he had become the superhero for the sequels. (sighs) We don't want the kids learning anything by watching their action movies. Wait till it gets dumb. Sequels are officially dumb enough. I think it was pretty quick. I think the Rambo cartoon came out after two. Yeah, he became a superhero approximately five minutes into part two, though, so it's fine. <laughs> There's got to be a cut scene at the beginning of Rambo 2 where he's in that prison and somebody likes injects him with something while he's asleep in his cell. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, let's make a mo- let's make a cartoon out of a movie where a cop gets horribly graphically killed, or at least on the doorstep to death a group of uh, uh, drug dealers. Listen, they, were. they made yeah. a cartoon out of the Toxic Adventure. That was going to be my next was, point. <laughs> it was pitched by Lloyd Kaufman. I mean, Lloyd Kaufman would have sit in the room pitching a cartoon and nobody went, maybe we should Google this guy. Maybe we should, maybe we should have a little conversation about who this person is and what this movie is we're making a cartoon of. Yeah, maybe we should you know watch what, the movie. Do you know what the most surprising thing about all that is? Is that Lloyd Kaufman didn't get cartoons made out of all of his movies after that. <laughs> uh, he he did make a trailer, or not a trailer, a pilot episode for a Sergeant Kabuki Man cartoon. That makes sense. Mm. It wasn't bad. But no classified watched it. the animated series. Well, that, that all sounds awesome. Except they would have put it on Saturday morning and parents in the 80s would have just stayed in bed while their kids watched it with no supervision. So. <laughs> toxic Crusaders, Toxic Crusaders. <laughs> I do believe that that uh, still takes the cake for the most annoying uh, cartoon theme song. I can't think of one that's more of an earworm or obnoxious than that one. I'm sure I could come up with something. I don't know. You had to think real hard. Uh, I believe you just stopped watching cartoons before 2B and B-New became a thing. So. Uh, 
I don't. What, I, I are don't know you just saying random sounds? You go ahead, you Google that, and you get that theme song stuck in your head like it was when my niece used to watch it. I mean, how do you how do you even spell it? You just made a bunch of sounds. <laughs> there were no letters in that. To be the way it's sound, it was just phonetically, and then and and then be new also phonetically. It's fine. To be be new. That's what it sounds like. Like so. To space B? <laughs> no, to P. All one word. To P. T U P I? No, T O O P Y, maybe? I don't know. It's been a while. Then it's not spelled phonetically. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there'd be follow up questions, asshole. I'm just, I'm just saying. If you can't spell it the way it sounds, that's not phonetics. <laughs> so, yeah, cartoons. A logical and rational way to start off our discussion of vampire hunters. Well, I mean, technically there was a Blade cartoon. It was like an anime, but... Oh, yeah? Yeah. I never saw that. I also never saw the TV series, so... Uh, Also, Blade appeared in Spider-Man the Animated Series. Oh, yeah, it's true. Oh, I forgot about that. And then uh, Buffy almost got her own animated series, but that that didn't come to fruition. They did do one of those, like, like motion comic DVDs that you could get for a little while there. Yeah, those are horrible. Yeah, I never bothered to watch that, because why would I want to watch that? Now, what's the suggestion of the Buffy cartoon after Buffy the show had ended? Correct. Okay, so I'm pretty sure they pitched that, and somebody was like, No, I think we've squeezed this one. I think we squeezed every last well... fucking drop. That's not true because they've. There's always a rumor they're going to reboot it like every two years. There's still IMDb says there's a new one coming. Yeah. No, and it's it's documented fact that the Buffy series went off the air because Sarah Michelle Gellar decided to stop doing it. It's not like it was canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and yeah. there was tons of rumors at the time of like continuing it without her or spinning off certain characters. Mm-hmm. Like like I was saying on Facebook, those oh, good those shows are so cookie cutter. You can just make them indefinitely. No, it's no, only see, when the actors quit that those shows. Here's the thing: no. you're, you're you're completely wrong because I, I read your idiotic comments. But you're basically acting as if there's nothing different about Buffy from all these other TV shows. But it was there isn't. Yes, there there were episodic. There were like just those Monster of the Week episodes that existed. Yeah, but. None of the other shows at that time were doing the season-long and multi-season-long story arcs that Buffy was doing. None of them were developing characters the way Buffy was developing characters. You, where You mean like you could, Charmed? I, I never saw an episode of Charmed. I don't know. It's literally the same show, but with witches instead of vampire hunters. I have trouble accepting that that's true. But I and it's got Bruce Campbell in it. And it came out the year after Buffy because they were trying to copy Buffy since it was so popular. Which is, which is fine. Which is why it's generic and Buffy was not. They're all generic. They're not Buffy all was generic, not generic because there was there was nothing like Buffy pre-Buffy. Other than the it, movie. Because which it, is, it was just a spinoff into a generic TV show. It's not. No, you're... you're Listen, fucking, I'm not... You're, you're ignoring I'm not everything that everyone else bad. says. 
you're no, what you're doing is you're ignoring what everybody else says and repeating the same sentence over and over again, which is not making you more correct. It's meaning right. you're ignoring the new information that you're being provided. In- incorrect. <laughs> there were there were no other shows at that time that were doing like previous to Buffy. They weren't doing those big season arcs they weren't developing characters where you could see characters grow and change and logically follow patterns over you know multiple episodes multiple seasons the way buffy did it it is just above and it is above and beyond and television has advanced since that time but you know whereas now you are getting that level of character development in many shows but you were not back then especially not in a show like this that was about geek-friendly material such as monsters and stuff yeah see to to me it's just it's just the same reskinned tv stuff i'm not saying it's bad i liked it i like it like everybody else likes it i just don't think it's anything special it's just the same stuff but it's not just the same stuff you're not you're again you're just you're pretending I didn't just talk for three minutes. <laughs> it's, you, you did. You did say a bunch of stuff. But here's the thing: I don't accept your premises, so it's irrelevant. You're you're just flat out wrong, man. That, that's all there is to it. I mean, that's it's a, not that, like it's not like I'm taking a controversial stance here. Okay, it's not like I'm coming along and making these like bold statements about Buffy the television series. Everybody else agrees with me in the entire planet. It's documented fact. I mean. <laughs> That's that's it, perfectly just, fine. It is just, you know, like you take what they did at the end of season five of Buffy where they killed off the main character and then they brought her back. Okay. But they spent like half of season six rebuilding that and, and kind of paying the price for having that character die and making the show, changing the entire tone of the show to one that was way darker so that they could deal with the death of this character. That's not something television was doing at that time. Wow, they revamped the show after six seasons? Yeah, all right. I've never heard of that happening before. No, I'm saying, you know know what, you're not not interested in having an intelligent discussion on it. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with you. Let's move on. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer, written by Joss Whedon, came out in 93, 94? 92. Somewhere in there. 92. Yeah. Um, so in this movie, we find out this kind of, uh, airheaded mall obsessed teenager is supposed to be the one who will, who is the chosen one who will kill all the vampires and save the world and blah, blah, blah. And there's actually been a bunch of slayers up to this point, but this one seems to have, uh, slipped, slipped by, do they even describe the watchers and stuff, or is it just well, at the, the beginning impl- they do? Yeah, but sort of the implication is that Merrick, the watcher in this, is mm-hmm. uh, he's kind of reborn constantly, and he's kind of this. It, mm-hmm. It's not well explained, but he's kind of no. a supernatural being that keeps living again to retrain the yeah. next Slayer. So he's essentially missed this one and came to her too late in her training. And has to deal with her adolescent hijinks while explaining to her that vampires are real and will kill everybody unless uh, she takes it seriously. And she's going to have to have a face-off with Rucker Hauer, which I'm sure made Noah happy. Yeah. And uh, 
Turns oh, out although she, I have a I have a more favorite character in this one than Peter Howard. So. Uh, I'm going to assume it's Pee Wee Herman. Oh, you know it is. <laughs> um, Paul we all, Rubens. We all knew that. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> she meets up with this, uh, I don't know, uh, mechanic guy who I can't tell if he's older than her or if he's a high school dropout. Ambiguously aged Luke Perry. Yeah. Yep. Um, who they sort of join forces and then... Shit goes down at the dance. So what did everybody think of Buffy upon a rewatch? I know, Doug, you were worried about rewatching it. Yeah, I was super nervous because I have not seen this since the TV show started, basically. Because I liked Mm -hmm. this in the early 90s. And then when the TV show came along and I'm like, wow, that's what Buffy could have been. (laughs) Like, I I just never revisited this out of fear of what it would be like. Um, But I was pleasantly surprised. I thought... A lot of the, uh, a lot of Joss Whedon came through in this. You can tell mm-hmm. there was studio interference that caused them to crank up the camp quite a bit, mm-hmm. and you can tell there's studio infer- interference. There's certain like one-liners and stuff where you're like, I-, I know for a fact that that was not in a Joss Whedon script, and that was just somebody saying we need one more joke here and sticking in a generic joke or pop culture reference that made no sense. Like, at one point, like, uh, David Arquette's character does, like, a cowardly lion impression for absolutely no reason. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, so somebody at the studio was watching it and gave a note that we needed him to do something there, and that's what somebody came with on the spot and went, yeah, oh, good enough. Or I would assume that was an ad lib by David Arquette. Sure. Just, yeah, just, just fucking around, and then the director's like, brilliant, put it in. Yeah, it, yeah. It, he probably had the vampire teeth and looked in the mirror and was like, oh, look, I've got the teeth like the Cowardly Lion. Yeah. But either way, I'm sure they had other takes where he was not mm-hmm. the Cowardly Lion and they were probably better because, let's face it, they were better. Um, I, I would probably say there's probably 200 and they're probably all just equally weird and nonsensical. <laughs> well, there's there's a way to edit there where he says nothing, too, and that would have been just fine. So <laughs> there, there were a few others. There's like a couple of where they reference like I think it's TV commercials from the time frame, and you're just like, but they're out of context and they don't make any sense. But you can tell they're mm-hmm. just trying to drop a pop culture reference in, and I just like it's very frustrating because you can see the you can see the bones of something even better in this movie. But overall, I thought it was pretty good. I was surprised by. Um, how good the performances by basically everybody were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't anticipate that, to be honest. I think the the key to making this movie, like to what makes this good, is probably the performances from Donald Sutherland and Rutger Hauer, because they sort of ground the movie in this weird sense of reality and allow that the rest of the campiness that goes on around them kind of to just. And it just sort of keeps it from going right off the rails. Well, and the yeah. fact I don't know what a lot of these actors had done up to this point, but it's pretty fucking amazing rewatching this and realizing there isn't a single goddamn person in this movie that didn't become famous. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even fucking Ben Affleck is a random fucking extra <laughs> in this goddamn movie. Yeah. 
she would have known it could have been Batman and Buffy taking on vampires. I just, like I said, it, it fucking blew it because it had been, a, I've seen this movie a thousand times and I haven't rewatched it probably in 10 years. And I was sitting there like, Jesus, fuck every single person <laughs> on this screen. And then another character would come in. You'd be like, oh, nope, another fucking famous person. I did miss Thomas Jane. I, I don't remember which one he was. No, I didn't pick him out. I didn't try that hard. I mean, the funny thing is, arguably, the person who did the least amount out of everybody <laughs> is the fucking title. Yeah. Yeah. In which she went on to do, like, movies where she showed her tits in a Charlie Sheen movie. But. Yeah. And then a bunch of weird, shitty movies. And now what? She does, like, Hallmark movies and shit, too, now, right? The shit, she, did a bunch of, she did a bunch of shitty Christmas movies and stuff. I think the she, last time I saw her in anything was, like, uh, Higher Learning, which was, like, a few years after this. She, it was her, supposed to be her big serious turn, and I don't think it really worked out. Well, I looked her up because I was curious about what she's done since then. And, yeah, she's in, like, some stuff, but, I mean, nothing of note. And also, she's kind of a stay-at-home mom. Back. Yeah. Looks like she does a lot of Lifetime movies. At least I'm assuming from the titles, like Bad Stepmother and Killer Under the Bed is probably Lifetime movies. Oh, so Lifetime like thrillers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she really shouldn't have turned down that TV series. <laughs> it was a mistake. She should have went with the TV series. Do we know that she did or? I do believe that's what I heard, that she was initially, they told her they were doing a TV series, and in the initial planning stage, she was like, well, no, I don't want to do TV, and there went her career. (laughs) Sounds familiar. She could have had that TV money. Yeah, back then, TV was not a respected medium. It was a stepping stone for people to become film actors, right? Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that absolutely was true bajillion seasons and has a fucking attempted spinoff. Noah. Your mic is going crazy. You guys gotta learn to keep your animals out of the room, man. (laughs) Um, I had something I was gonna say and I completely forgot what it was. Um, So do we think, uh, one of the things I noticed that I think may have been a studio note was that her cramps, her period cramps, gives her, like, vampire radar? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot totally about that So I was rewatching this. I was like, oh, yeah. Man, they should have left that in the TV series. Cause what a great fucking... What a great well, device. What What's hilarious about that, though, is, like, Joss Whedon envisioned this character as being, like, a female empowerment character. Mm-hmm. And they go and turn her cramps against her like that. <laughs> I mean, it's I'm just Jesus. assuming maybe it maybe it was originally part of the thing, but it just seems like way out of like everything else, especially after the series came out. Yeah, no, it, it in my opinion, it very much contradicts the rest of the character. And I feel <laughs> like it was added in or, or maybe it's something that like, you know, if it was written, even if it was written in by Joss Whedon, that he would have eventually taken out had he maintained control of the property and it just slipped through. <laughs> Because it doesn't really serve any purpose. And that's why, like, when you say it could be a studio note, it could have been them trying to add in a funny joke, like a recurring joke, and it just didn't work mm-hmm. out. 
because I don't understand. Like, is there ever a point where she starts using that skill to her advantage? <laughs> like, to her advantage, no. But I mean, she'll just be running around like holding her side, like ah. And I mean, that's like <laughs> my, about it. My favorite, my favorite part is where uh, the vampire Jock Dick it comes in and he's playing basketball, uh-huh. and of course she's sit- and she's and she's sitting there like, oh my cramps, and it's like. Yeah, he's also got pointy elf ears, vampire <laughs> teeth, and like he's all gaunt and floating. That's a good. That's a good fucking sign that yeah. he's a vampire. In a world where you know vampires exist, you should be able to pick him out of the crowd. <laughs> I do like that scene. I love it. I feel like it's just a parody of the uh, basketball scene from Teen Wolf. <laughs> it's just because he's just just using his vampire skills to fucking dominate on the court and the refs are going to the coach like you should probably take him out it's this doesn't seem right (laughs) well i love the fact too in that scene he goes to run out of the building and she runs out in the middle of the court and like sweep kicks him Mm -hmm. yeah and then of course he takes off and she goes to chase him and donald sutherland's like no and she's like he knows who i am and it's like yeah so does the entire fucking gym you just did that in front of the a, a giant room full of people dead center to the guy everyone was looking at. Well, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, one one of the flaws in this movie is that she they act like the vampires don't know who she is, but she doesn't have a secret identity in any way. No. She's like just wandering the streets, killing vampires, getting into fights. Sometimes they get away, sometimes they don't. <laughs> Oftentimes that one guy gets his arm ripped off for one means or another. <laughs> and it's like, okay... All, all that's going on, and then whenever it's convenient, they're like, oh, we don't know who the Slayer is. It's like, why, why wouldn't they know? Well, when they find out, Paul Rubens literally just tells Wrecker Hauer, Buffy. And then that seems to clue everybody in. <laughs> like, they all know who Buffy is, and they all know there's yeah. a Slayer, but they haven't put it together yet. <laughs> Pretty much. Does, does anybody wish they had made a sequel to this movie and just ignored all the fucking characters except for Paul Rubin's character? <laughs> just just a port off of just him being a vampire for two did hours. You guys, did you guys watch the past the credits? <laughs> to see yes. him, the fact that technically he's still dying, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah he ends up uh kind of as luke perry's foil throughout the movie which is fantastic i was always a bigger a big fan of uh david arquette in this movie though his performance once once he turns uh vampiric i think his performance is quite good yeah we would prior to that it's uh not great we would always just quote shit like we'd be sitting around and someone would be like i'm hungry and I'd be like, you're floating! And then we'd laugh and then go get something to eat. I did like the uh, there's the scene where he shows up outside the like mechanic shop where Luke Perry lives. And he's just floating out the window. He's like, are you high on something, man? And then like you see the shot from outside and he's just like dangling out there. You're like, <laughs> neither of them are addressing the fact that he's flying right now. They're not bringing that up at all. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> It was, it was kind of neat too it was a nice little like it was like a very Salem's lot it was, I think it was clearly an intentional <laughs> reference and there was a there was another shot earlier in the movie that I think was obviously a reference to Lost Boys where the the one girl is running and she looks up and you see the, the wind kind of swoops in like a vampire's coming for her mm-hmm. and I thought yeah that's I thought, 
I kind of wish there had been even more of that, the references to classic vampire films. <laughs> detention! Detention, detention, detention. <laughs> detention, detention. <laughs> oh, missed one. Detention, detention. <laughs> Steven Roos is pretty much good in anything you put him in, so. Like I said, fucking everybody. The random-ass teacher, Stephen Root. <laughs> Calm down. He's the school administrator. He's not a teacher. Any which way you slice it. <laughs> Funny thing is, uh, Seth Green actually was supposed to be in this movie. He shot something, just like a random student, but then the scene got cut. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. I did. I did think like when you compare this to the TV series, there was a lot of stuff where you could see that they like used the ideas from this and moved it into the TV series. Starting with like the core theme of like Buffy having to reject the like cool popular kids and hang out with the freaks and the geeks in order to mm. kind of have them help her with her slaying. But even like when you look at Luke Perry's character, he's like a combination of Oz and Xander. Mm-hmm. He's just this like. He very much has the look and feel of Xander, but he's driving Oz's van. I think it might be the actual <laughs> same van they used when they made the TV show. It's like... The, the, I was going to say, the interesting thing is, because after the show ended, I didn't feel I had enough Buffy, so I started reading some of the novels. Yeah. And they, they actually have one where the character of Pike shows up in Sunnydale. Oh, and they really? tell him They tell him that him and Oz will probably get along really well. That's funny. I can, yeah, I mean, it's... There was also other little elements that I thought were nice, where, it, like, like when she started learning how to just make random stakes out of stuff she found, like a broken guitar or whatever. <laughs> which I always... That was always kind of one of the fun things I liked about the show, is that Buffy didn't need to have a weapon. She could just find one around anywhere. Yeah, she just have stakes. Get rid of them. You know, use them. And then she's like, ah, oh, fuck. I'll just break this chair. Yeah, I will say, chair. I think... I was going to say, I think my only complaint about the entire movie is the training montage that's in the middle. Mm. It's a shitty, it's a shitty training montage. <laughs> like, and I'm a big fan of, of weird training montages in movies. And this one's just not good. Like, it's just fucking dumb and weird. It has a couple of fun moments, though. Like when she throws the, uh, the stake at the vampire dummy and hits it in the leg. And Donald Sutherland <laughs> just looks so disappointed in her. Maybe it's just that it goes on a little bit too long. Yeah, that's that might be it because it's like a lot of it is pretty typical training stuff, like with her like punching the pads and stuff. And you're like, we don't really need to see that because this is a comedy movie. So mm-hmm. do three black flips and a roundabout, and then throw the stake. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why would you do all that? <laughs> That's a running joke that went right through the rest of the movie and through the whole TV series too. Is like just unnecessary flipping. It's just, <laughs> it's. I feel like it happens often enough that it has to be on purpose. It's just like nobody thinks you need to flip that much. I must feel like the designers of Dark Souls stole that, and they were like, you know, what we should do, we should develop a a rolly flippy mechanic in our game that everyone will have to use. One of the jokes I thought was funny, although it makes no sense since the school is actually a public building is that uh when the vampires show up to the dance she's like oh they can only come in if they're invited and then she's like oh we sent them invites because they're seniors yeah. i like that she just like they're seniors <laughs> i will say this this movie 
uh, is completely all of its success is derived from utter impeccable timing. If this movie had been made five years earlier or five years later, nobody would have gave a shit. Yeah, I could see that. I don't know. Been five years later, it would have been in direct competition with the TV series, which could have been problematic. <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm assuming the TV series wouldn't have happened. It's probably not. Well, I don't know. I think I, I, I know Joss Whedon was shopping the idea around for a while, and that's why he doesn't have as much control over this as he originally wanted to, because he had to kind of cede that in order to get it made. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying it plays. It plays off of so much stuff. It kind of rides both the the wave of the Valley Girl movies, which like uh, Alicia Silverstone and you know people like that were yeah. kind of doing that, and then the uh, the I don't even know what you call it, kind of the second wave vampire movies, mm-hmm. which yeah, were all coming lot- out around that time. Because what, like Lost Boys was like five years before this? Yeah, 87. Yeah. So yeah, it would have been coming off of all that stuff. Yeah. And I think they, they kind of nailed the idea. Like the fact that this is, you know, uh, so pretty campy. I think it was coming on a time going into the 90s where people were looking back on the 80s and going like, yeah, really? neon like it was that whole thing so i think taking you know vampires were sort of semi-big in the 80s you're coming off of that but they're not going to be taken seriously at this point in 92 like horror was that kind of a downstream and people were kind of looking down on things like and pretty much anything that was popular in the 80s by 92 people were frowning upon and they were like sorry never mind came out so now we think everything that happened before it is stupid um <laughs> so you're the fact that you're kind of making fun of the, of the whole all the vampire tropes and stuff is kind of a good way to go I was gonna the, the, I think the other interesting thing about this movie is the director uh, Fran Kazui is that her name I can't I get I can I, never get it I right. can't pronounce it right but she kind of came onto the scene literally directed like two movies and a documentary I do believe is the other thing she did but and this was her big breakout movie and and it did like this this movie landed it did very well and she should have had this illustrious career and she just immediately switched gears and went a completely fucking different direction never directed another movie yeah. some people I, don't want to direct movies yeah i do believe now she owns some kind of film distribution company that brings japanese movies to the united states i think is what they do sure and she's also a producer on a bunch of shit. She was like a producer of Buffy TV series and Angel well, yeah. and that shit. Yeah, she's a, it says she's a producer on Buffy the series and then whatever the new Buffy thing is going to be supposedly I think soon. That's, I think that's in-name only producer on that stuff. It's just because yeah. she retains rights as a result of this movie. And she was also a producer on Orgasmo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she weird <laughs> no if i no if i understand correctly i think they're they're not just like line credit producers i think they actually put money in because it's her and her husband yeah but I, so they might have put money into like the buffy tv series or whatever but i don't think they were actively involved in the production is all i'm saying i think they're just kind of hanging around I, I don't know they may they may have been active because the stuff i was reading was saying something about the reboot 
that supposedly they're actively involved in the reboot as well. But I don't, like you said, mm-hmm. they're kind of like, they're such off the beaten path people that who the fuck knows? Uh, I don't know. Anything else about Buffy? I don't, know. I don't know. I would say, I would say the fact that they produced Orgasmo is just more uh, proof that clearly they've got an outrageous eye for talent. <laughs> Whoever's in charge of casting, yeah. Whoever's in charge of casting this movie certainly knew how to pick people out of the crowd. It's kind of funny. Alright. Well, we I guess. We're all, it seems like something. we were all pleasantly surprised with this movie, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. It holds it holds up way better than I thought it would. Yeah. It's... Mm. Well, no, I know you got a big boner for the character of Blade, so why don't you tell us all about the movie Blade? Motherfucking Blade. Uh, Wesley Snipes plays Blade, uh, vampire hunter. He was, his mother was bitten while he was being given birth to, causing him to become the Dampier, a.k.a. half-vampire, a.k.a. daywalker, which means he's got all the good stuff that vampires have without all the bad stuff that vampires have, except he does actually have some of the bad stuff that vampires have, such as bloodlust, and he has to shoot crazy weird serum shit into his neck. Uh, And uh, he basically comes into contact with a lady who's a a blood doctor. Uh, There's an evil guy named Frost who's attempting to decipher an ancient text and conduct a ritual that will turn him into some kind of vampire blood god. And uh, Blade fucks shit up, and uh, the end. He just he just fucks all the shit up until enough shit is fucked up that he is one. Sure. Yeah, it's semi accurate. Yeah, I think the first thing we can say of this movie is holy fuck! It reeks of the time it came out. Yep. <laughs> From the from the fitted straight black leather outfits to the weird pseudo industrial techno fucking soundtrack, I mean, just every fucking thing about this movie is like, oh Jesus! It's like the the late nineties just shot this movie out of an ass. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree, but uh, I had so much fun reliving all that stuff. It's a good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good movie. <laughs> I'm, ju- I'm just saying, it's dated. It's very, very dated. Yeah, it's funny because a lot of people talk about this movie like some people have even wanted to have it canonically brought into the MCU and stuff. And it's like I think if you rewatch it, you're not going to feel that it's it's definitely the old type of superhero movie. You know, not the not the new kind that has been that has come about post Iron Man. Right. And, uh... Yeah, it definitely doesn't get enough credit though for kicking off like the superhero boom, whereas a lot of people kind of attribute that to like X Men in two thousand or Spider Man. Yeah, well, controversial opinion. Both the first Spider Man and X Men are significantly better movies than this one. Um, I, the the, the I better actually, comic book I... movies. I think this may be a better action movie. Yeah, I, well, see, and I think I disagree. I think they're all equal, but they're just they're different movies they're different well, see, here's my problem with this movie is that they they decided to make it into an action movie there's mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff going on in this movie that 
that doesn't get explored enough because they mm-hmm. were trying to get to the next action beat. Like, I think there's some really interesting ideas with the like that vampire council that exists, and Stephen Dorff's character is kind of like rebelling against them, and it's like okay, but we don't spend enough time getting to know all those characters and understanding what's going on to really get invested in it because they're I think they're a little too worried with moving on to the next quick action beat. Mm-hmm. Well. And, and they also made the terrible mistake of putting Udo in this movie and then not just making everything about that character. Well, yeah, and honestly, like, if they'd shrunk down that council and had more more interaction between the Stephen Dorff character and the Udo character, because that moment mm-hmm. when uh, he pulls his fucking fangs out of his head and then leaves him in the sun to die, like, that could have been a, cool, mm-hmm. a really cool payoff moment if it was paying something off. But it was just kind of a an action beat the way it plays out in this movie. And of course, I'll I'll be the one that says that the biggest problem with this movie is that they went and hired an action star instead of an actor, right? And you've got fucking Wesley Snipes trying to do the stoic, like, delivering these one-liners, and they come across real corny when they're not supposed to be corny. (laughs) I don't know, I'm okay with that. I, I, I've i always liked Wesley Snipes' uh, stiff delivery. See, I, I like him in... I The one that pops into my mind is Demolition Man, where he plays the villain. Yeah, but he's not this. He's not trying to do the, like, very super serious, almost a Punisher-type performance. And it's just... I don't think he's capable of doing this, which is fine. Like, he's just not that guy. Um... I think they, they clearly they wanted him to be that typical 80s action star and that's not what this movie calls for again that's the, what comic book movies were at the time it's not what I want to see necessarily yeah I, I think my biggest complaint about the movie is so I, th- I think we talked about this once before that so it, this movie kind of changed the way that Blade is in the comic books because before he was he 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 wasn't quite as superhuman. He was a lot more just a dude who was immune to vampire bites. Uh, and by ramping up his power level so much, they kind of while the the movie's got all these badass scenes in it. The problem with every scene having the hero looking badass is that it drains conflict out of the movie. Because you never feel like he's actually in any real threat. I mean, his very first fight, he's in like a room with 200 fucking vampires and destroys everyone while everyone is unloading an armada of machine guns at him. And of course, not a single bullet touches him. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but counterpoint, when it's convenient for them to have him not be superhuman anymore, like when the vampires decide, okay, we're going to capture him. They capture him in, like, a minute. Like, it's their very first attempt. It takes very little effort. And they just they just uh, basically uh, sucker him in by having a girl pretend not to be a vampire when she really is a vampire. And he's all of a sudden tied up. And you're like, uh, not entirely sure that the character should have fallen for that. <laughs> right, right. Didn't he just... Didn't he just ninja fuck like 50 guys in the face in yeah. a subway like five minutes ago? Yeah. And that's, and that's like, that's all gets to my point of they were making an action movie, not trying to tell a good story. Right. Which again is just part of what was going on at the time. Yeah, I agree. 
<clears throat> Still had a great time watching it, though. I haven't watched this one forever. Seems like I always go back to Blade 2 more often, and that's probably just the Del Toro element to it. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun going back and revisiting this one. Yeah, I was a little worried about the 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 CGI in the movie, but really it it's not bad until the very end. And then the mm-hmm. very end that CGI gets real bad real fast. Yeah. Like, oh god. Ooh. Yeah, that yeah, that I was sitting there watching it. That looks I, like a bad video game. I was sitting there watching it and be like, "Oh, the CG is not great, but luckily, I mean, there's only a couple quick shots, so it's not that bad." And then all of a sudden Stephen Dorff <laughs> starts like turning into I don't know yeah. Magra or whatever the fuck he was doing and it's just like oof like yeah that's terrible yeah that that in those weird vampire skeleton bats yep. like they look they look real bad they, they would have been almost better off just manually draw those in and just have it be like old timey animation <laughs> just have skeletons with wings that are that aren't even like animated they're just on strings and just bobbing <laughs> through the, the camera so see here here's I will, my take on this is i can forgive the movie the bad cgi because at the time that was probably considered good cgi i have to assume it's hard to remember there were certain times where they made like really bad stylistic choices though where there's like like there was the one, some of the like car chase scenes where it was like almost like they were using rear projection or something, and it just looks really campy and cheesy. And you're like, well, they could make cars go fast in 1998. That's not a technology was at the point where cars could go fast. So we don't. That's not a sign of the times. That's just a bad decision in how to make your movie. And so the, that those are the moments that stuck out to me more than the actual CGI fails. Yeah. What else do you love about this movie now? Uh, all the things. It's got Tracy Lords in it for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, she says it for like five minutes. It's a little random at the beginning of the movie, right? Well, this is our, our secondary theme of the week is surprisingly strong supporting casts in the background of these movies. Because um, like, I think Chris Christopherson is really good in this movie. I've never seen him in anything else. It's, this is what I know him for. I don't know his music. I don't know his other acting, if he even has any other acting. Um, but he's really strong as Whistler. I think he does a great job. And there's who's the guy? I don't know his name, but he plays sort of the main henchman for uh, Stephen um, Dorff's character, Donald Logue. Yeah, like he is very, very good in this movie, doing mm. something that I've never seen him do before. Like he shows up in a lot of stuff in smaller roles and stuff, and I've never seen him do a role quite like this one. And I think he does a very good job, and he handles some of the action stuff way better than I would have expected him to. He he had a really interesting career path because he kind of came out of left field and was this rising star, and then all of a sudden, like, kind of stalled out, and now he's like a TV guy. Well, he had his own TV series for a long time. Uh, right, right. I'm not saying it's bad. Not too TV. long He's after this, great actor. No, no. I'm saying not too long after this. After this movie, though, what was that? What the fuck was the name of the? He was, he was a dad in the TV show, right? Yeah, yeah. So ground, grounded, f- grounded for life, or something like that. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Grounded for life. Yeah, that was like a WB show. Yeah, it's like three years after it played. Looks like yeah, five seasons longer than I thought. Hey, Danny Trejo was on an episode. 
his picture just pops up like in the generic pictures on it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, but he was he was good in it. Um, there was someone else and I completely blanking on it. I was going to say fight scenes, fight scenes are good. Uh, the super science is appropriately vague. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which I, which I like. They don't, they don't really try to over, they're like, we tried to make a cure, but now blood explodes. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm down. I'm sure this I'm sure this checkoff's gun won't pay off later. <laughs> well, it is kind of funny like we're trying to make a cure, but it blew up the blood, so Juan just uses it as a weapon now. Like that's basically how that goes. <laughs> and then it ends up being like super important at the climax of the film and you're like, "Yeah, I can see that coming." <laughs> My favorite part of that whole thing was when the final fight is happening between Wesley Snipes and Steven Dorff, which is by the way not a fair fight in real life. <laughs> Dorf looks so small compared to Snipes, <laughs> but he's a, he keeps referring to those vials as blade serum, and it's like we all know they're not. But it's like, mm-hmm. are you trying to mislead the audience? You keep having him say that. Why does he keep saying it over and over again? Well, I think they had to justify the fact that they made it obvious that Frost has uh, studied him to the point that he knows all of his gear and all of his yeah. tricks and all, you know what I mean, down to the fact that he knows where the switch is on the sword, which that I find a little a little difficult to grasp. Yeah, that was a that, little too specific. I, yeah, I get that he knows that the, the sword is booby-trapped, but... If he had just dropped it or something, I'd have gone with that a little easier. I think that whole thing, like, I, this movie would have benefited greatly from like paring it down and having it be more about these two guys who are like on a collision course with one another having you know frost and blade both studying each other both trying to find each other and eventually coming head to head i think that would have been more interesting rather than having because it's it's implied that they've both been kind of looking for each other and that they have this history but why not spend some time on that again i guess i'd I don't want to see big dumb action movies, 80s style action movies. I wanted to see it more of a modern day storytelling. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, would we recommend this? Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's totally worth a watch. Hmm. Yeah, it has its problems, but I think it's pretty good. Like it's just, it's just from an era that's past now. And you know, if you made this today, I'd probably be frustrated by it. But knowing that it came out back then and knowing, you know, how much of a chance studios were taking by making a Blade movie in 1998, mm. it's like, that was ballsy. And I respect that. And it's, the results are pretty good. The same way I would, I would say a lot of superhero movies from pre the MCU are pretty good, but they just don't hold up to today's standards. Yeah. Blade, Blade 1 and 2 are both pretty easy recommends. Blade 3 is like. Uh... <laughs> You probably don't need to watch that one. That's for the completest. You don't want to watch fucking Patton Oswald and Ryan Reynolds take on Triple H in a vampire movie? Why not? Explain to me why you wouldn't want to watch that. Man, especially because the uh, the the character that Ryan Reynolds is playing, I'm a huge fan of that character in the comic books, and they did not do that well. I, yeah, I don't know. 
know the character. I don't plan to rewatch Blade Trinity. <laughs> I had, so I I was at like the the reason this movie's on the list is because I was at like the used shop and I found it for like three bucks, and it was like three fifty for all Blade movies. But I didn't buy all three because I'm like if I buy all three, I'm gonna watch all three and I'm gonna be so mad when I get to that third one. <laughs> I better just only buy the first one. <laughs> I was gonna, in the in the comic books, there's this whole thing of like Hannibal King is almost like a he's he's not a half vampire like Wesley Snipes is, but he's infected. So it's I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's really good. <laughs> read the comic books, anybody. If you haven't read Blade comic books, go go read some fucking Blade comic books, and then read Midnight Suns because Midnight Suns is fucking awesome too. And it was a little underappreciated. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right. What did everybody watch since last we recorded? Uh, I watched RoboCop. Yeah. I didn't, didn't, I had <laughs> no idea. I was so excited about it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say 25 fucking more times. RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in which I, I, I don't know, but I'm moving closer and closer and closer to the fact that RoboCop may be the best movie ever made. Ever. Just. <laughs> That's not a crazy statement because no. it has all of the it has all the fun like big budget action movie elements. It has gore, and it actually is like a smart movie as well, depending on how you feel like watching it that day. Right. <laughs> it's I, got it's got everything. Yeah, like it, it's it's not crazy to call RoboCop the best movie ever made. It's just yeah, it's I, funny. It's it's I don't know. It's funny. It's got good action. It's serious at certain points. It's got quite possibly one of the best like perfect story arcs if that makes sense i mean i it's never fun getting boring and talking about three-part story structure but it's perfect you know what i mean it flows every and there is there is not a wasted second of screen time yeah plus it has a, a really specific unique element in it whereby a robot shoots a guy in the dick and yeah. for the most part, <laughs> movies don't do that. So, <laughs> could you fly, Bobby? <laughs> the performances <laughs> in that movie are so good. Uh, I mean, yeah. he, he he confounds a, a giant mega robot by going down a flight of stairs. <laughs> I love that. They were talking that somebody explained something in the uh, so I watched it because I was listening to an interview with the writer and all that kind of stuff. And and I was like, you know what? Now I got to watch fucking RoboCop because I like it. (laughs) But they were talking about that scene with Ed 209 in the stairs. And it makes so much more sense where they they talked about the idea of so RoboCop is kind of a fully formed human being because, you know, he was made out of a person. But since Ed Ed is programmed, he's essentially a, a toddler. So it's kind of like a giant robo baby. 
and that's what they were trying to get across whenever it was like tiptoeing by the stairs and stuff. They were trying to make it look tentative and nervous, like a child trying to figure out stairs for the first time. I just took it as it was a flawed design and didn't know not to try the stairs when it wasn't capable of doing it. <laughs> nope. It was intentional. <laughs> Once again, Robocop. Quite possibly the best movie of all time. It's pretty good, but I mean, he doesn't have a jetpack in this one. Oh, you motherfucker! Don't you <laughs> don't you bring those into this? <laughs> Listen, one one good, two perfectly passable. Nothing else ever happened. <laughs> Maybe well, the cartoon series. I'll forgive any cartoon series. You can watch the cartoon series all you want. <laughs> we keep coming back to cartoons somehow. Right. <laughs> That's it. There was no remake. There was no weird black colored Robocop. They didn't they didn't both both destroy a remake of Robocop and put Michael Keaton in a bad movie, which that that doubly fucking makes me angry. <laughs> you don't put Michael Keaton in a movie if it's not a good movie, god damn it. Uh so I watched that and then I watched uh What We Do in the Shadows, the T V series. Uh, I burned through the whole thing. You know, they're thirty minute episodes, so that didn't take very long to get through. Yeah, but I pretty much watched it because I, I had been meaning to check it out. But uh, whenever it it was heavy on my mind, it wasn't on any streaming services. And then when I rewatched Buffy's, I was like, "Oh yeah, Paul Rubens is in an episode <laughs> of what we do in the shadows of TV series." I was like, "I need to watch that," and uh, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> It is. It really uh, is. I it's, was like, I was like, there's no way it's going to be as good as the movie, but I'll give it a watch. And I was like, holy shit, it, it's so good. It, yeah, it shouldn't be this good. Yeah, it's not. I'm not going to say it's as good as the movie, but that's that's only because the the actors in the TV series are just not a fucking Jermaine from Flight of the Concords. Mm. <laughs> that easy enough that dude's so fucking funny that yeah. that he elevates that movie to another fucking level and so does taika watiti mm. but it's it's amazing it's amazing how well it, it's kind of the same thing that i was saying with uh, dark crystal it kind of they captured the tone and the aesthetic and the humor of the movie they like it's it's a fairly seamless transition into the show if you like the movie. Some of some of the jokes are fucking hilarious. <laughs> there's there's one where a a vampire eats human food and then fires himself around uh an alley for about two minutes like a puke powered rocket. <laughs> And then I like the fact that later on, there when they encounter the Vampire Council, which is basically just all people who played vampires in movies, which is really funny. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they take the time to point out all the people they asked to come be on it that said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they're talking about something, and they talk about uh, the character, the character who is firing himself like a puke rocket. That was because he ate human food, and they were like, you know, he ate something with garlic. And they're like, oh. And then Paul Rubens' character is like, we cannot eat human food; it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and if I remember, he's he's totally made up like his character from Buffy. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, 100%. And there's references to all of them because, like, Wesley Snipes is on there. And he's mm-hmm. he's uh, chatting in via Skype. And they keep talking about the fact that he's a vampire killer. And everybody's like, well, he's half vampire. He counts. He gets to be on the guns. <laughs> and I love that he's, like, 30 seconds behind. So every time he chimes in, it's for something they've they got, already gotten done talking about. <laughs> right. And the fact that Tilda Swinton's just playing Tilda Swinton, who is a vampire, <laughs> it was really, it was really good. And tell me, the psychic vampire isn't your favorite vampire? Oh, Jesus Christ! That if that the, the first episode where you see him, I was like, okay, that's weird. I don't know how good this is going to be. And then, like ten minutes later, you're like, this is the funniest fucking thing. The episode <laughs> of. The, the psychic vampire taking on the emotional vampire is the most <laughs> where they're just standing in that cubicle hallway like shouting affirmations at each other <laughs> so good my dog died here's an interesting fact about dogs <laughs> but that is that show highest recommends it's uh, streaming on Hulu so if you haven't seen it you should fucking watch it because it's really goddamn funny. They recently just started filming season two, so that's good. And then what's his goddamn it? What's what's the fat the fatter guy's name? Do you do you know the guy from the IT crowd? Uh, no idea. Ah, man, I'm gonna kick myself for it. But he's he's a British actor who's really funny. But I love the fact that whenever he turns into a bat, <laughs> like he yells bat. It's like bat. um laszlo laszlo that's that's the character's name yeah matt berry what what is it matt berry matt berry yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) god damn it god damn it that show it it's one of those shows that for the most part you're like snickering because it's funny and then every once in a while something happens and they just fucking get you and you have to pause it because you're laughing so hard you can't pay attention to the TV show anymore. You gotta jump on the wagon, Doug. Yeah, I don't know if that's easily available to me here in Canada. Does, does Canada have Hulu? No. Hmm. Do you have anything that's the channel FX? Is that a thing available in Canada? The channel exists, but I do not have it. Well, if the channel exists, then maybe you have a streaming service. Got to be on streaming somewhere, but yeah, I don't know. I already had to sign up for a free month of a streaming streaming service just to watch Buffy, so I'm not gonna <laughs> sign up for anything else this week. I'm holding off. I got to pay for my uh, Disney streaming here in a couple weeks. It's so uh, close. Are you a Verizon customer? Uh, I am. Uh, apparently, Verizon is offering their their members a free year of Disney Plus. I would ask the them fuck about, you say? I would ask them about it. I haven't checked into it yet, but I need to. I will check that out. Although, really, I mean, with the seven dollar a month price point, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw a bitch fit. That's cheaper than everybody else. No. But free is cheaper than seven dollars a month. So. Yeah, but I don't, I don't mind paying for things that I use as long as they're reasonable. The second they get unreasonable, then I'm like, fuck you all. <laughs> I steal this shit. Did you watch uh, I did, and then I watched... God damn it, why is my brain not working? No, I rewatched Interview with the Vampire. 
because we were watching vampire movies and I wanted to watch one more vampire movie. Okay. okay. God damn it, it's still real good. Hmm. I, I was kind of surprised. I thought I thought that one was going to age bad too. But but it does not. It is solid. And it's a solid interpretation of the book too, which I always appreciate it whenever they put forth an effort to, to make the characters remotely the same. Unlike they did with Queen of the Damned, where they were like, fuck this, we don't need a fucking book. <laughs> Let's pour a bajillion dollars into this movie and just completely rely on the fact that this girl can dance interestingly. But yeah, have you guys watched that one in a while? Not no, in a long, long time. time yeah. uh, what's, God damn it, what's her face? She's famous now. She played the little girl in the movie. Kirsten Dunst. Person dense. Her her performance is a uh, is the child vampire in that is is creepily convincing. Still to this day, I'm like, Ugh, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. I have I ever told you guys I have a weird phobia of children who talk like adults. Like <laughs> no. like that fucking that fucking bothers. <laughs> It really, really fucking bothers me. Like when kids use like multi-syllabic words and stuff, I just I can't I can't fucking deal with it. Be like, no, you talk like a child, or you get the fuck away from me, demon beast. Does it it's bother awesome. you on Family Guy? No, that's a cartoon. I'm talking about actual people's children. <laughs> Have you ever went over to like somebody's house and you're just hanging out and like their child walks into the room and he's like, mother, <laughs> may may I use this thing? And you're like. Stop talking like that. <laughs> right right now, you little fucker. Just scream and kick something and act like a child. Get away from me. So in other news, Noah will be a good father, of course. Listen, as, as long, long as my child... It's not too smart. It, it, it's, not, it's not an intelligence thing. There's lots of kids who are smart. It's, it's specifically kids who act like adults. Like, ones that are, like, way too polite and stuff, it's weird. That's not natural. That's not the way children behave in the wild, you know what I mean? You've done something to that child. That child will become a serial killer. Raised it. That's what you've done to that child. You've raised it. Taught it good manners. (laughs) How dare you? No. Serial killer. Those kids? That kid's gonna be fucking BTK. Using all them big words, walk around weird. <laughs> like it. I guess that goes against the intelligence arguments. Since BTK got caught because he asked the police if they would catch him, and they promised not to. Basically, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, but that's all I watched. Now I'm gonna have nightmares. <laughs> nightmares of children acting like adults. I'm actually surprised to hear positive things about that movie kind of assumed it wouldn't hold up well but. no no yeah like i said everything everything was about it i, I mean because the especially if you think about the cast and stuff the acting was all real good it's yeah. solid cast and the uh the period stuff is all pretty clean so it's it doesn't christian, christian slater's in it we should have probably covered it mm-hmm. last or two months ago that's true maybe we'll have to throw that in next uh next september 
we still only have 547 Christian Slater movies to go. <laughs> we Although, forgot to mention in Buffy that her goal in life is to grow up and marry Christian Slater. So true. she technically has similar goals to our podcast. Forgot to mention how uh, Chrissy Swanson's such a horrible, horrible human being now. Yeah, it's, it's not relevant. What, yeah. separate... what, what exactly did she do? Because I'm not familiar with her being a douchebag of any kind. Well, number one, she's a big Trumper. Oh. Uh, number two, she was on some show called, like, Skating with Celebrities or whatever. Um, at which point she got the guy, the teach, her teacher, whoever he was, to leave his pregnant wife for her. Uh, a lot of that's on him, too. But Yeah, but I'd say that's predominantly on him. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. She if probably we, shouldn't be involved, but... yeah. Uh, she got into a fist fight with, uh, with that dude's ex-wife then years later in front of their children. Oh, I was getting ready to say while she was pregnant. Cause that is no. real fucked up. No. Yeah. She's just gross. She at least win the fight. We know that. No, I have no idea. Cause I didn't check if she does her own fighting in Buffy, but <laughs> it's pretty believable looking. So I would not want to fight her. Continue on. What did, what did you watch Doug? Let's see here. Um, okay, so I watched the uh, Netflix series Living With Yourself. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the previews for this one? Oh, it's in my queue. I want to watch it. Yeah, I just haven't had a chance. I mean, it's literally a show about like Paul Rudd's in it, but he's not very happy, so he goes to a spa and he accidentally gets cloned. So now there's two Paul Rudds. Um, so if you like Paul Rudd, <laughs> you're probably going <laughs> to like this show. Um it's basically yeah it's basically the rest of the that all that's the, what happens in the first episode and uh, the rest of the show is about him dealing with the consequences of there being two Paul Rudds and the concept is that one is sort of has all the it's it's a genetic clone but it also has all the memories but for whatever reason because since it didn't actually live through everything that went on you get uh, he doesn't he's not as kind of beaten down and worn out by life and he still has more of a youthful exuberance and more positive outlook um, so you get all the natural complications that come from that with him like I mean obviously they would if they have all the memories he remembers himself being married to Paul Rudd's wife but he isn't and how do you deal with that and eventually they everyone finds out that there's a second Paul Rudd and how do you deal with that and it's I mean you either like Paul Rudd or you don't and that's mm-hmm. it that's that's whether you're going to like the show or not <laughs> um, I don't know I was surprised by how much it borrows from the Frankenstein mythos early on when there's just this like newly created character and you're, they're kind of having that discussion of like well is that a person or isn't it and, you know there's a few other little tidbits that go on where you're just like, oh, I see what you're doing there. You're kind of like grabbing onto that idea of when we created this, how much responsibility do we have for it? Is it really entitled to rights? And how is it going to feel about the fact that it was brought into this world kind of thing? Hmm. But it doesn't get too deep into that. And it sort of just walks that line that Netflix shows seem to all walk where they're like, kind of dramas but they're kind of comedies and they have some really laugh out loud moments and some mm-hmm. slightly more serious moments 
Yeah, I watched it too. It does it it deals a lot with a lot of interesting philosophy questions and it it handles them from a real world perspective instead of just hypothetical, which I thought was yeah. interesting. About identity. That's that's the biggest thing of are they both the same person or not? Because yeah. and if you change something, you know what I mean. If you change one thing about yourself, are you still the same person? Yeah, it it gets. It, I think it's surprisingly deep if you want it to be. I kind of watched it all in a row on a Friday night just because it was an easy watch, and I didn't think that hard about it. So I didn't get into those questions, but I thought it was. Uh, I could see the potential there. Yeah, it works. It works on a lot of levels, and. It's, it's real quick. Yeah. It's what, the episodes are like 25 minutes or something like that? Something like that, yeah. And I think about eight episodes at 25 minutes each, so I pretty I think I made it through almost all of them in one night and then watched the last one the next day kind of thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions left unanswered. <laughs> You're like, okay, oh, yeah. well, now we need more of that. Uh, and yeah, another one of the tropes of Netflix series is that they leave you hanging so that when the next one comes on you'll immediately binge it but uh which I, I find that very frustrating uh, but what do you do I also I really liked the format of the the way they transition from episode to episode is basically one episode follows one character uh up up to some some decision point and then the next episode kind of rewinds to an interaction between that character and another character and jumps to the that character as the focus and follows them to the end of the episode and then does it just kind of wash rinse repeats that and jumps around from person to person to person to person kind of each time going back in time a little bit and then catching back up and moving forward yeah I enjoyed that element of it especially when they did it with the two Paul Rudds because they never kind of played with the idea that you didn't know which one you were watching. I, I think they did. I didn't, I was worried they were going to do that. And I liked that they didn't get into that whole, like, okay, which one is this? And kind of, I don't know, playing with the audience that way. So we would see them interact. We would see them walk off in opposite directions and we'd have an entire episode or a part of an episode where we followed one and then we'd follow the other. Yeah. I was gonna say there's a lot of and there's a lot of cool symbolism and stuff in the the movie like the all the stuff with the credenza, yeah, is kind of interesting the i the idea of it's kind of like a symbol of him and his wife's relationship although it's also a kind of symbol of the negative parts of their relationship instead of yeah. the positive parts. Yeah, I, I thought know. it was yeah I thought it was really interesting too the way they kind of. Like the, the credenza is a good example of like so they bring in this thing which is like they're building this happy home and eventually it become kind of changes and becomes a symbol of the fact that they're now living this boring suburban lifestyle which is exactly what they were trying to accomplish at the beginning of the show when they brought in this credenza and I think it kind of poses that question to the audience of like well yeah if you're trying to build this normal life for yourselves why are you so bored now that you've accomplished it well, not just bored. They they resent the life they're living, even though it's the life they intentionally made. Yeah. It's it's really odd. Yeah, it's, but it's not. 
I think it's pretty realistic as well, right? Oh, very, um, very realistic. <laughs> you know, and it's. I think it kind of, without getting too much into the details of it, it kind of goes into that. Okay, so you you found the perfect house and you bought it, but now you've got this long commute to work every day and, and you can't quit your job because you need that job to pay the mortgage on this nice house that you bought, and now you're caught in this cycle of just being stuck in life and going through the motions, and eventually you grow up and be old and bitter and you're your own parents kind of thing. And I think that's they're kind of playing with that a little bit, but they're also without getting into spoilers for Brian, like it's, they do play on the idea that, okay, once these characters are shown what else could exist with this new, this new guy coming in, they do kind of end up, I don't I guess it's not spoilery to say that the married couple ends up staying together basically by the end kind of thing. And you get this idea that like, okay, maybe they are reminded, Hey, you did pick this life and maybe you shouldn't be that, which is kind of an interesting take for movie. Uh, movies because uh, you know most of the time it's the person running off to start the new great thing and here it's more about them realizing that getting what they already had is what they they, they should have been happy with they, what they already had because that's what they were trying to accomplish when they started out did that make any sense yeah. is Brian still there I don't know I yeah, say, <laughs> did you both stop listening no I was listening like I said, I'm down. I'm down with it. I I really, I really, really enjoyed it. And, and like we said, it because it works on all those different levels of, like you can watch it just to watch it, and it's kind of visually entertaining, and silly and humorous. Even even if some of the humor gets a a little dark, it's not it's not awful, but just a little dark. Yeah. And uh, but it's also got like deep emotional stuff and you can be in it for that or it's got a lot of interesting heady stuff if you want to rewatch it and kind of dissect everything and so it's, it's a really well made <laughs> TV show for a yeah. 25 minute comedy on Netflix yeah I'd, I'd recommend people watch it but you gotta be a Paul Rudd fan if you, if you don't like him there's a lot of him on screen during this and you're just he doesn't do much except be Paul Rudd so I was gonna say, if you don't like Paul Rudd, though, you're probably kind of an asshole because he's well, he's just a he's just a really really pleasant ass person, and the type of person that's like, I hate this pleasant person. I watched I watched a video of him take the BuzzFeed quid, uh, BuzzFeed quiz. Which Paul Rudd character are you? Right. It was, pretty, it was yeah. pretty funny. What do you What do you get? Just out of curiosity, his character from Parks and Rec. Okay. I've heard the story of him uh, going around after the because he was on Friends right at the end, mm-hmm. and at, at the like at the when the, they wrapped like the final episode of Friends, he was at the rap party, and like all these people who have been working together for like a decade are all like crying and hugging each other, and he thought it'd be a funny joke to like join in on the hugging and stuff, even though he was like kind of the side character who wasn't around very much. <laughs> Apparently, nobody else got that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so he thought it was really funny that nobody reacted and he just came across as this asshole who was hugging strangers did, did you guys see the joke about the new show on Conan well on yeah. Conan yes yeah not did Conan you, did you see it did you see Come it on. Doug Conan yeah I've seen like that he goes on Conan and brings the same clip every yeah, time the, 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 yeah the, the Mac and me clip but for for this one specifically, they played the Mac and Me clip, but at the end, they digitally edited it so that there's two aliens that pop up. There's a clone. 
That's funny. <laughs> it, re- it really was funny because even Conan brought it up. He's like, oh, well, you changed the end. That was, <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> and Paul Rudd would never break. He still insists that's a clip from the show. Oh, so he just he plays it? He just goes, no, no, no. What are you talking about? I didn't edit that. <laughs> same, yeah, same. he just... He's just Same like flip, what now? Eighteen years or something like something that? Something like that. Yeah, it's been like eighteen years. They actually edited the Ant Man one too. I think for Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, so yeah. like, did they make the alien tiny? Well, no. Ant Man's actually in it, and he's the one who pushes the kid off the cliff or something. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Because every time it gets over with Conan, just like you son of a bitch. <laughs> I should watch Conan more. Yeah, just watch the clips online. It's probably enough. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I meant. Yeah. Anything else? Eh, what else did I watch? I went and saw Zombieland Double Tap. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you see it, too? You mentioned last week you were going to see it. Yeah, I did go see it. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, this is the part of the show where I talk about how they made a sequel, which is just a chance to revisit characters. So if you liked those characters the first time, we're going to need a bumper for this. I say this every week now. <laughs> so, you know, if you're a fan of the first Zombieland and you kind of like those characters and want to see where they're at 10 years later, I thought this was a fun way to check in. Mm-hmm. It hit a lot of the same notes, but that's okay. I find sequels when they're retreads, if it's been a while, I don't mind. So for me, I enjoyed it. What did you think? Oh, I had a good time too. I was a little worried going in, but um, once we kind of got going, I was just like, "Oh yeah, this is comfortable. This is yeah. this is just you know, like you said, meeting up with your old friends again ten years later. Let's see what they're up to in a world full of zombies." Yeah, it's they kind of just play it off, and it's a bit cheesy if you think about it too much. But it's not that kind of movie. But they just kind of go, "Yeah, like nothing that much happened for ten years, and now here's the story." <laughs> <laughs> the the trailers do not make it look charming like the first movie was. It it's so similar to the first movie that it's hard to argue it's not charming. Yeah. Like the the basic plot line is that whatever Abigail Breslin's character is like becoming older and she's frustrated with life, so she ends up kind of running off and uh they're all following her across country trying to find her. She's she's hooked up with some guy from Berkeley who pretends that he he's doing the thing where he plays old songs, pretends he wrote them and uh, they're because all headed she, to some like commune. Because she was like, what, 11 when the zombie apocalypse happened? Yeah. So he's playing like Bob Dylan songs and shit. And just <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I totally wrote that. It's, it's pretty funny. And uh, you end up like the only kind of new care. Well, there's two new characters. One is Rosario Dawson. Who's mm-hmm. great and everything she does. So he, obviously i found the other character to be much i liked her a lot more as as a character was the her name is madison or something like that yeah but she's just like a ditzy like valley girl type who spent the last 10 years locked in the freezer of a restaurant at the mall <laughs> yeah it's amazing how you're kind of supposed to not like her and i feel like she's supposed to come off as annoying but you end up absolutely loving her by the time the movie's over with yeah it's she's well she's just pleasant and there's like mm. i don't know she's funny and you, and i like i like when uh woody harrelson's character is super fucking annoyed with people <laughs> and this just gives puts a character around who will always annoy 
And I, I, I really enjoyed the tri- the love triangle that exists between like Emma Stone and Jesse Eisenberg and this girl. Mm. <laughs> and it's like the idea that these two hot chicks are fighting over Jesse Eisenberg is stretches reasonability, but you know. <laughs> I'll tell you what, maybe that's another reason why, because I, I've been wondering why I don't want to go see this. And, you know, I watched the trailer and I was like, eh. And I think it's just Jesse fucking Eisenberg. I don't, see, I like him in the Zombieland movies. I like him in yeah. most things. Yeah, I think him as Lex Luthor has completely fucking soured me on him as an actor completely. Yeah. Well, yeah that was a bad choice. That, I mean, that's not, again, not, I don't blame him for that. He was given something to do. He showed mm-hmm. up. He did his job. Yeah. It's not none of the actors in those movies are to blame. We know no, that, who's to blame for that. That's movies. that's Snyder's fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem is, is now uh, he's he's just that guy forever because that's yeah. that's that's the way I I record actors in my brain. I'm like, ah, that person is this, and now he will forever be. Ah, yes, he's bad Lex Luthor. Hmm. See, they should have just said he was Alexander Luthor. And then just saved actual yeah. Lex Luthor for another time. Well, they should have. They should have not made that movie. They should have not let Zack Snyder be involved in movies at all. There is that. Oh, that would have been the smart thing to do, or like have somebody rein him in and be like, "Okay, you can be in charge of the visuals, but we have to have these comic book people be in charge of the characters. <laughs> Maybe get writers to be in charge of the writing." Can I put a toilet water filter over the whole movie? <laughs> Fuck. Anyways. Jesus Christ. I fucking hate Zack Snyder. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed Zombieland Double Tap. Yeah. I so yeah, that. I don't know. I, it, it, again, just completely like like the, the one joke. It's the most obvious joke in the fucking world. But when somebody says like, shit, I almost murdered you. And then they're like. It's referencing the fact that murdering somebody is when you think they're a zombie, so you shoot them. <laughs> and they all, they all, everyone in the world seems to know that that happened, but nobody knows that Jesse Eisenberg's character is the one that did it. I'm like, it's the most obvious joke in the world, but it's just funny. And you watch his reaction to it. It's uh, just... Bill Murray makes a triumphant return, too. Oh my god. This, so. I'm officially, I think, my new favorite post-credit sequence ever. <laughs> it's taken over from like Spider-Man Homecoming. This is my new favorite one. <laughs> no, if this doesn't sell you on the movie, nothing will. Okay, so I, this is technically a spoiler, but it's not relevant <laughs> plot-wise. No. Spoilers don't bother me. So it's it's Bill Murray. It's a flashback to the zombie outbreak. Bill Murray is being interviewed by Al Roker on the press junket for Garfield 3. <laughs> <laughs> flabby tabby so fucking Al Roker becomes a uh, zombie and Bill Murray has to kill him cut to Bill Murray picks up a steel chair and he's swinging it WWF style <laughs> and all these zombies heads crushing him while screaming the catchphrases from his films <laughs> so if it is worth the whatever hour and a half of your time and the price of admission to watch him and nail a zombie in the head and go, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. <laughs> it's fucking perfect. It's just, I was, I was screaming with laughter while it was happening. So, that is so fucking random. <laughs> well, I just love that they were like, we've got to figure Bill Murray in this somehow. What can we do? What if he just hits zombies and says lines from his movies? Sir, you are a genius. You get a raise. You know, 
they just I, I mean I'm sure they only had him for like a couple of hours or something but <laughs> it's just Bill Murray metal is chair. the actor equivalent of some kind of mythical forest creature <laughs> like like one of those random Irish folk tales about a weird bearded naked man who grants witches or something like that that's him <laughs> He just he yeah. just fucking appears from nowhere and he's like, here's something fucking hilarious, and then disappears. <laughs> well, you know what it is is like in the first Zombieland when he's when they're describing like, oh, he's just this great thing, and she and he's dying, and he says whatever, and Emma Stone's character laughs, and she's like, I don't know, he just gets me, and it's like, get yeah, that's what it fucking is. Like he just he's just inherently funny when he does stuff, and I'm not really sure why. And I know it's intentional because he's turned it off before to do more dramatic roles and he can clearly do that <laughs> so I don't know I don't have a clue what it is about Bill Murray but every line he delivers is automatically funny <laughs> yeah. I came home after seeing this movie and I wanted to um, first thing I was like what, rewatch Ghostbusters I'm like, <laughs> yeah it's so good yeah I would recommend seeing it now yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I'll, pro- I'll probably have to wait for that one to get out of theaters. I don't think I can bring myself to pay theater prices for it. I mean, that's not unfair. Like it's it's not unreasonable to just wait for this one to hit Netflix or whatever. See, I have a list, so it's just it's whatever. Yeah, we yeah, we know how important you are, Brian. I know. Fuck that. I don't even know. I'm what just saying, it's basically it's free. Basically free. Yeah. And I had a gift card. So my concessions were three dollars total, so it was great. Yeah, well, through my mobile phone company, I have a special deal where I can get two for one movie tickets as long as I don't go on the weekend. So, oh. what do you think of that? Yeah, my movies are still that's technical. very specific. <laughs> Monday through Thursday, I can get two for one. It's not even at the theater I like to go to, though. Anything <laughs> uh, else? Uh. Last thing I watched, I rewatched uh, The Babadook 2014. It seemed like an appropriate Halloween movie to rewatch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, is it reasonable to assume you're part of the 90% of society that watched it when it was new? I watched it, yes. Yeah. I watched half of it. What? I'm not a fan. Alright, just tap out of the conversation then. Well, to be fair, um, I'm, not, I'm not really a fan either. Really? What the hell yeah. is wrong with you people? I just felt like I felt like nothing happened for a majority of the movie, and then the kid was so fucking annoying that I'm just like, "Fuck this movie." All right, fuck you guys. Then just move on. I have lots of things to say about it, and I don't want to talk to you people anymore. Whatever. Can we do the thing where we tell them what's next week, and then we just close the show? Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug. What are we doing next week? Um, I don't know, fuck that. I don't even want to do next week because you guys will probably <laughs> shit on the movies if they're good. Anyways, we're You're doing... very defensive about them. Oh, about that upset me. I just assumed everybody was... That bad. is a weird... That is a weird movie to like. <laughs> just to, it's to, been this whole fucking episode. This, this whole fucking episode you guys have been trying to get me. I mean, I get you. I get you defending the Buffy series. <laughs> That's what you acted like. There was no fight. Oh, never mind. Anyways, no. All I was saying is, I, I don't agree with the things you're saying. I totally get why people like it as much as I like the show. I just don't. I'm not convinced that that show is special. That's all. But it, it, it's. Anyways. 
So what are we doing next week, Doug? For some reason, now that Halloween's come and gone, we're sticking with a vampire theme. Because <laughs> vampires for November, as everyone always says. Um, so next week is, uh, we're trying to take things a little more seriously. So we're going with uh, Once Bitten and Vampire's Kiss. Ah, uh, yes. Those classic, classic dramas that really, really seen... tackle the human condition. I have not seen either one, so I assume I'm not being sarcastic. I I feel like we're really we're really shooting that load early on Vampire's Kiss because uh, you know we got all sorts of vampire movies to get through before we get to the best vampire movie ever made. <laughs> oh shit! I suddenly regret my picks for next week. If no one's saying that about the movie, ah, uh, sar- sarcasm, sarcasm. <laughs> I've never seen Vampire's Kiss. I used to watch Once Bitten all the time when I was younger because I thought it was hilarious. Once bitten is Jim Carrey, right? Correct. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen the other one, so whatever. I literally, this came down to the fact that we were doing vampires this week, and I. How? So neither of you saw Vampires Kiss? It's a fucking vampire movie with Nick Cage in it. (laughs) But did you not pull that trigger? (laughs) I actively avoided Nick Cage for a long, long time because he's not good in a lot, a lot of things. Well, that that trend might continue. <laughs> I don't know. The problem, with, the problem with Nick Cage is that he was a really good dramatic actor, and then he thought he could do things other than dramatic acting. He thought he could be in horror movies, and he thought he could be in action movies, and it's like he was terrible in all of them. And then he somehow settled into he knows how to just be this insane fucking cartoon character of a human being and started signing up for roles where they'd pay him to do that. And that's where he kind of got back on track as far as I'm concerned. And by cartoon character for a human being, I mean he stopped acting and just acted like himself, I think. <laughs> oh. This is uh this is gonna be an experience for you guys. <laughs> I'm just saying a lot of like the the memes and uh gifs and things of Nick Cage uh doing niche Nick Cage isms are from this movie. Like, this is up there with Not the Bees. Oh, shit. I've never seen that one, to be fair, so... That was during my period of avoiding everything Nick Cage did. <laughs> yeah, I never saw that one either. I did see the clip online, though. You guys never watched the remake of The Wicker Man? No. Oh. Why the hell would anyone watch that? <laughs> Cause honestly, it's, oh, honestly, because it is a fucking train wreck. That's why. <laughs> I honestly don't even like the original Wicker Man all that much. So, the original not... Wicker Man is just such a unique, weird thing that mm. I can understand people liking it. I like it. It's a spooky, spooky cult movie. I can get down with a spooky cult movie every once in a while. Yeah. It's no Rosemary's Baby, but... Sure. Yeah. That's, that's true, I guess. And technically, you could pick any movie that's not Rosemary's Baby and say it's not Rosemary's Baby. So. Well, I mean, I think it specifically applies better to creepy cult movies I guess not the biggest fan of Rosemary's Baby take that okay it's <laughs> I, I mean I don't I, like. I really have any arguments against that I mean it's it's Rosemary's Baby it's it's good for what it is yeah I've never quite understood the hype around it even though I think it's a pretty well made movie 
Well, I think that's it. I think I think the trick to Rosemary's Baby is that it's a it, it's a technically good movie, and I don't mean that in in like the ironic assholey way. I I mean the the technical parts of the movie are all very well done. Yeah, got good cinematography. It's got good acting. It's got good atmosphere. All that kind of stuff. It's just it. it it in some ways is kind of fucking boring. Well, it's very, very slow. Which I don't always mind, but it doesn't necessarily feel like the payoff at the end of it is worth how slow it is. People used to ask me what I thought the most overrated horror movie was. I used to tell them it was The Exorcist, because I think it's a good film, but I do not remotely find it scary at all. Dead Silence. Uh, I don't don't know. I think... I would like to say it's not scary. I would say 90% of that movie is not scary, and then it has one or two moments that every time I watch it fucking get me anyway. Mm. See, I think Exodus 3 is actually much scarier than the original. I, I think the demon, the, the like demon face appearing in the window, at the mm. ones, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. be, because the yeah. rest of the movie's so not like that, you're almost not ready for it. Even if you've seen it a thousand times, it still lulls you into this sense of security, and then you're like, "Ooh, <laughs> God damn it, motherfucker!" Anybody else have any confessions before we wrap up? Um, not off the top of my head. But... <laughs> oh, look, Noah's sending stuff to us. Yes, it's Nick Cage pictures. <laughs> He's so happy somebody else picked a Nick Cage movie. He doesn't know what to do. I just. You know, because I remember I was the one that suggested once bitten. I don't know who attached Vampire's Kiss to it. Might have been me. But that is that is a delightful choice because that it is fucking bonkers. Like Nick so Nick Cage in this movie is as Nick Cage as Nick Cage can be. It is like it's been on the list forever, and I've been avoiding it for a long time. Like it's like what. Fifth or sixth from the list of movies. It's, it's just below our Masters of the Universe episode that we've been promising. And Street Fighter Mortal Kombat, which we were supposed to do a crossover episode with another podcast, which I believe is now defunct. So we can't That's even do right. it. <laughs> yeah, nice little video game episode, and that podcast doesn't exist anymore. That's how up to date we are on our list. Yeah. So to add more stuff on here to avoid doing any Nick Cage movies in the future. The funny thing is, I have a file that's all of the sounders that Julie's already recorded for us. Yeah. From the very beginning, and I just put them all in one file so that, you know, I can kind of find everything without going through like 20 different files. Yeah. I have saved that file so many times that the audio is starting to degrade on some of them. So, <laughs> so I have to like keep... Uh, like boosting the audio and uh yeah so one of them is like the first <laughs> the first big portion of the list is getting uh this is getting a little dicey we're gonna have to put some kind of a whenever we do the masters of the universe episode we'll have to put some kind of lo-fi filter over the entire episode <laughs> and pretend that it's on purpose <laughs> well that's okay i mess with the audio anyway to make it sound like it's coming over an answering machine so it still works out I like that that's where the editing gets done. If all our audio sounds like crap, too bad. But that intro. That's yeah, the intro, the intro is important. Well, that's because the only person with any goddamn talent. <laughs> <laughs> it's Julie. <laughs> it's Julie. 
Yeah, you should be over listening to 19 Nocturne Boulevard and ignoring this bullshit. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.